It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You know, I have you around for a reason, believe it or not, and it's certainly not your good look. No, it's not. Okay, well, there's a reason, and that's your reason, folks. It's that, like that. I mean, now, early game out in London. I don't think the Rams have a firepower. I'm going Giants. On a national level, how big do you think a Cubs versus Indians World Series would be? Go wild saying Ricky Vaughn, hey, here's the Terminator. If you if you get a piece of it, you can rename it. Hi everybody, this is Ken Danico, three time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils, and you are listening to the hard hitting Fantasy Jester Show. Hard hitting or the hard hit fantasy jester? How's everyone doing tonight? I'll tell you you've been paying attention on Facebook, uh, you know we've had a little excitement here. Renegade barged in. For those of you who are not sure who Renegade is, former pro wrestler and uh, wrestled for us when we do charity events. Uh, he's always handy and uh, he feels like he can bully his way onto the show. As you've seen by the video, I got tossed through the wall. So hard hitting, hit hard, whatever you want to call me. As long as you call me the Fantasy Jester, we're good. Fantasy Jester Show, how's everybody doing tonight? Welcome aboard. Coming to you live from Leesburg, Florida. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio, that crystal clear sound. And, of course, FantasyJesterSports.com. Folks, we've got a hell of a show for you tonight as we go ahead. We put the NHL to bed. We put the NBA to bed. And details about what I mean completely to bed. Oof. Then, you know, we follow up last week's show. We had Dr. Alan Nathan on. If you haven't heard that, go back, listen to that. It's great. I mean, I, I just sit there and I could talk to that man all day, his knowledge about the sport of baseball, because he's the one that's had to study why the increased rate of home runs in the MLB. He was, his team was commissioned by Major League Baseball. Good stuff. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. Not now, though. Stick around. We've got, for all you baseball people, we have not just another hell of a crop report. And, and I'm sure people think, oh, you know, he's got to say that hell of a crop report. Now, nah, you know what? If it was a piece of crap, I wouldn't bring it to you at all, honestly. Um, so uh, I would have cut that segment. It's not like I haven't in the past. Anyway, it has become highly popular. The guys do a great job. Tate Dell, JT on that. 
JT will be joining us in a little bit, as you all know, if you've listened before. Also tonight, you know, Renegade thinks he can bully his way onto the show. Not only can you not bully your way onto the show, Renegade, to show you uh, I'll have on whoever I want, we're going to be joined once upon a time. We've had him on before, and we're going to have him on a little bit more, it seems like. Nick Katowski joining the show tonight. Going to talk a little baseball, talk a little football with us. Got to listen to this guy. Like I said, we've been paying attention to him more and more. Going to put him on tonight. Going to put him on with JT. We'll, we'll see how that all works out and plays out. Stay with us. Crop report, MLB draft. We've got some players to talk to you about. Guys that you're going to see on and hear on future crop reports. And, yeah, actually see, because we are going to move this to the video portion. But as we go down the road, three years from now, these are the names that are going to be the big names, the Vlad Guerreros and the guys that are coming up ready to make their impact, the Mike Trouts of the world. We're going to give you some names. Start paying attention to them. And, of course, NFL, we're going to start getting – more and more now, as we're changing our coverage, now the NHL is over, NBA is over. So now, pretty much the coverage is going to change its focus to MLB, NFL. Tonight, just a little bit more talk about some fantasy picks and how you're looking at some of these guys early. Don't forget, coming up in the next two weeks, we have on the calendar the start of the Juster top 10 list at each fantasy position. We're going to give the breakdown for you PPR people out there. We'll talk a little standard as well, but for the most part, I like to talk about the PPR people and it'll be for the redrafts or the dynasty or the keeper. We're going to get into it all for all of you. Same as we do with the MLB. If you're new to the show, we break it all down for the MLB. Tonight, we're going to talk about the tight ends, and also, we've mentioned it, we're a week away from our new charity auction. Can't wait for that one. We've got some baseballs, a family four-pack of signed baseballs, 100% of all proceeds going to Make-A-Wish. Great stuff, folks. Right about now, as the show must go on, it's usually time for my rant. You know, my rant is that I don't want to get beat up anymore, first of all. Um, I don't like getting beat up. It's not fun. And uh, as you saw, that was a rather large person. And I'm not small by any means. And that was a rather large person that was able to throw me like a rag doll. And it was not fun. But it was for purpose. Folks, my rant tonight is for all the young kids out there today, for all the parents out there today who have young kids. Serious things go on in schools. Bullying should not be one of those things. We have to start taking a look at what's going on with the children and the anger and everything else that's being suppressed by kids that are being bullied. If you are a fellow student watching your fellow student get bullied and you don't do anything, you're no different 
than the bully. You're allowing it to happen. You're saying that's okay in my world. We have to get to the point where a young child still learning about him or herself can feel safe in our schools from each other. So whether you're a student or you have a child that talks about a kid that's getting picked on or about a bully, you need to speak up to the other adults at the school. The video was meant to be funny. I don't mind. I've been thrown around like a rag dog. We've seen me take a steel chair beat down for charity for a young man. I'll get put through a wall several times if I can help gain awareness to stop bullying. I'm going to leave it there, folks. That's, that, that is my rant. We need to help the young children today be able to feel safe in their schools. And we all need to work together on it. We need to say that's not acceptable anymore. Let's get how the hell let's get the bully around here. See, everybody thinks I'm the bully. Let's get the real bully around here. The guy who pushes me around. The guy, listen, he has been known to egg on Bill Crude to beat me with a steel chair. He's been known to egg on Renegade at times to beat me down. If you've seen the video in the past where I, I got slapped and thrown in a prior interview with the Renegade, it's usually because of the guy I'm about to bring on. You can find him at Fez437 on Twitter. The one, the only, Jason Townsend. JT, what's up, man? Jester, you're, uh, I don't know, man. That's a hell of a beating you took from the Renegade. But, you know, I don't know about how it is up in Jersey, but where I come from, Usually the ones that are getting the beat down are the ones that deserve it. Now, we've never seen me get a beat down in any platform. So I'd like to think that maybe you're the bully, not me. How am I getting how am I the bully if I'm getting beat down? Shouldn't well, I be I mean, doing oh, the beat far down? be far be it from you to flap your gums to irritate anyone. I mean, you are a saint, you know, so you've never verbally instigated anyone in your life. Let me ask you something. Have you ever put a clip on the show of me being uh, nasty? No, I've never heard you play a clip. Who who runs the board? Oh, all right. Well, we didn't mention that okay. part, did we? <laughs> all right. Listen, let's get into this. Uh, first off, let's get the proverbial puck out of the net. Let's let's go ahead. Let's talk about these Washington Capitals, and they've won the Stanley Cup, JT. We're saved from Vegas winning, first of all. That's the first thing I want to go over with you. Right. Are, are you happy about where this has gone, and and well, what's your thoughts? What on I'm that? happy about, what I'm happy mm-hmm. about is if you remember a few weeks ago on the Fantasy Jester Show when I said Washington got past the team that has been their Achilles heel year after year in the playoffs in Pittsburgh. Usually when a team does that, they're the ones that go on to win the whole thing. And fair enough to say, Ovi got his first cup. Uh, Washington deserved it. They got past the Penguins. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to see it for them. A good win for them. And Gary Bettman may have saved his league by not having Vegas win that cup. Does this cup put Ovechkin as one of, if not the greatest 
Russian player. Now, let's go down on the list here. Ovechkin, Kovalchuk, Pavel Datsuk, Evgeny Malkin, Vyacheslav Fedezov, Pavel Bore, Alexander Mogilny. And then we have the current guys yet that we can't, you know, judge as far as uh, like Radulov and Brabrovsky and Tarasenko and all that. So where do you put Ovechkin on the list of greatest Russian players? Well, if, if you're giving me on this, because I believe this guy I'm going to mention is a Russian-born player, uh, one of the guys I've always liked is Sergei Fedorov. So, you know, one of the guys that I used to enjoy watching, the old Red Wing, uh, who I mm. thought was one of the best players that no one that no one talked about, you know, back in the 90s when you watched this guy play. So I still think he's one of the best I've ever seen. But it's really hard. You know, the only knock against Ovi was, well, where's the hardware? So like you said, with this cup, it's really kind of hard to knock him at this point. You know, it's kind of the whole Dan Marino argument. You don't hear Dan Marino mentioned as one of the top great quarterbacks of all time because he doesn't have a ring. So I think Ovi has to be mentioned in in that sentence. Pavel Bure, I like quite a bit. I don't think he had long enough a career. Uh, and then Sergei Fedorov my other one. But, yeah, I agree. I think this puts him in there. Uh, where do you, where does Datsuk and Malkin fit in? I like Malkin. I'm a Penguin fan. But I mm-hmm. still believe Malkin benefits from some of the other players on that team. Uh, I don't think Malkin would be near as uh, decorated as he is if he didn't have a Sidney Crosby uh you know, on that team along with him, so to speak. Uh, Datsuk, Datsuk's a good player. Um, when I look at his game, though, for some reason his numbers are good, but he just never – it's one of those guys that just never jump off the page at me. Just not one of those guys that, oh, I stop, I read his name. Okay, I got to see what's going on with him. When you read Ovechkin or you hear Ovechkin when you're doing something, you turn around and you watch. You know, that's that's the kind of guy I'm looking for. Understood, understood. Now, I, uh, I like that. I like that breakdown. Kovalchuk, because he doesn't have the hardware and because he bailed on my devils. I don't even speak of that guy. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I got to I, I have to stop for a second because it's on my mind just because I was watching the race before all of this. And I'm sorry, before we get into the NBA championship, folks, I, I have to ask you something, JT. If you're not listening to the Fantasy Justice Show right now. Is there any other place you would rather be than the party at Rob Gronkowski's house tonight after his horse coming in second at the Belmont? Well, yeah, I mean, you got to figure that's going to be a uh, very uh, interesting party. I'll just say that uh, it, it kind of leads me to it kind of leads me to wonder what but Bill Belichick and company are thinking right now, how many police are going to be at that house this evening? Yeah, no, this is a sleepless night for Belichick, for Kraft. <laughs> can you imagine? No, seriously. Can you imagine being this guy's owner, okay, and this guy's coach knowing, oh, my Lord, he doesn't need a reason, and now his horse came in second at the Belmont Stakes. Um, well, exactly, exactly. And the part I don't get is as and this is for you, Mr. Ruad, if you're out there listening, because we still haven't seen you come on uh, since your Super Bowl loss Uh-oh. from the Patriots. 
Um, Uh-oh. You know, Julian Edelman, you know, come on, where are you at? Call the show, buddy. But anyway, why didn't Belichick and all his cheating capability, I'm surprised he didn't reach out with like a hook or something to trip that horse down the back stretch. You know, it's just something you'd expect. Let's trip the horse that so we don't have to worry about this. You know, I just, I don't know. It's going to be crazy times tonight at the, at the Gronkowski house. You, you've definitely got something on that. Well, right now, Patriots fans everywhere are questioning if he is a true Patriot, then how, how did you come in second and why didn't you cheat? Oh, that's, hey, listen, I, all I know from Patriots fans and one in particular young man out there that, uh, yeah, uh, those steel chairs were for that young man's awareness <clears throat> and still owes us a call in because he lost the bet. So uh, we right. will reach out to that young man. Definitely. Well, now real quick, well, I was real quick, since we're talking about this, have, um, are you going to purchase the new uh, Julian Edelman workout video? I hear you really only need a <laughs> syringe and, and, and a jar, really. That's the only thing you have to buy to go for this video. Nothing else required. So, you know, I'm just curious if, uh, if you're looking at that like I am. Folks, if you're wondering why there's absolutely zero love for the Patriots here, you've got a Giants fan and a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, I, if you're looking for the Patriots network, you better go somewhere else. If you're here for great fantasy stuff, though, stick around, because that's one thing some of those Patriots fans know nothing about, according to some of the guys I play with. I mean, they're, I mean, listen, I guess the fantasy players that are New England fans, they don't have the Belichick experience in cheating uh, because they're horrible fantasy players. <laughs> Well, How can we make friends today I, here on the Fantasy Justice Show, folks? I'm going through another wall by a whole pack of uh, Patriot fans. Oof. No, the most big – hey, listen, for those of you out there, I, I kid. I kid because a great friend of the show and Jimmy Hart is a huge, huge Patriots fan. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a picture of Jimmy, myself, and he's got a signed Brady jersey. He's got the signed Gronk jersey. And he brought them down, teasing me one day. And uh, he's like, oh, I just got these in. And I said, oh, you know, let me get a picture with them, Jimmy. And he didn't realize that while he's holding the one and I'm holding the other, I'm also giving it the middle finger. So it, it ended up being a very funny picture because he's a man that I highly respect as an individual. He's just a good man. And he's right. a Patriot fan. It was, it was one of the most wow. disappointing times in my life when I found out that Jimmy yeah, Hart just, was a Patriot. Yeah, you just got me on that. I didn't realize the mouth of the South was a Jimmy Hart. You know, Jimmy Hart was a uh, Patriots fan. I was, thought he had better taste than that. But sorry, Jimmy. We love you, but oof. Uh, I'll break that, you know, for those of you who don't remember that, uh, during the week here, I'll break that one out maybe for Thursday as a throwback Thursday. Uh, I'll make a note that I got to get the Jimmy Hart, Jimmy picture with the New England uh, stuff for you, and then you'll see. Yeah, uh, I am. I'm off to the side, middle finger, and he never realized it until after the picture. And uh, obviously, we had a good laugh. But anyway, folks, uh, getting on and getting to NBA. Golden State wins a third, and many aren't really shocked whatsoever. And it is getting boring 
even more so than usual. JT, question. How many more? This core group that they have, if they stay together, how many more will they get knowing that LeBron is going to go somewhere and go build something? I think you wonder where LeBron's going to go. I mean, you had a look at you know, the rumors I'm hearing now. Uh, Philadelphia's in play for him. You know, I've heard L.A. Lakers, God, I hope we don't have anything to do with LeBron James. Stay away from him. We don't need a magic. Stay away from him. But, uh, you know, I like what Russell Westbrook said recently about our finals MVP, Mr. Kevin Durant. You know, mm. he, leaves Oklahoma, he leaves Oklahoma City goes to, to Golden State, and now all of a sudden this guy's the best player in the league. Uh, you know, where was he when we were up 3-1? to one? Where was that best player in the league? Because I never saw it. Uh, love what Russell Westbrook had to say, and I generally don't like him very much, but I love what he had to say there. To me, the NBA is the most rigged sport in the history of the world. When you make boxing look clean, when you make boxing look biblical, you're doing something wrong. Adam Silver, you should be ashamed of yourself, man. You've got the most rigged sport in the history of the world watching these games, watching some of these calls. And it was almost like all these game sixes and game sevens that we had leading up to the finals, it's almost like Adam Silver thought, ooh, maybe we're doing too much of that to get too much revenue. Let's just go ahead and call for the sweep to try to dissuade anyone from any uh, thought of, you know, of stuff in the ballot box, so to speak. Golden State, that's fantastic. They're, they're a super team. Whatever. You know what? The NBA is the most unwatchable sport right now for me. But after watching these finals, they have some great players. Don't get me wrong. Steph Curry's amazing. Klay Thompson's amazing. Kevin Durant's a good player. He's not the MVP. I don't see anyone that's going to beat them at this point. It makes you wonder if the league hates LeBron, though. I think it's funny. Interesting. Maybe they secretly, you know, they just don't like him. Think he's a jerk, like most of us. <laughs> yeah, they'll say he's far off. You know, but no, you know, here's you... the thing, though. And here's the thing. Sure. Okay, you know what? I like the idea of the sweep. Really piss him off. Okay. And then now it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Philly would be scary. Philly would be scary. It really would be. To throw him on that team. I don't see I don't see the chemistry there. I think Simmons and him are too much alike in the way that they have to have the ball in their hands at all times. So I wonder how that would work out. And the only person I've heard on that Philly roster speak up and say they'd like to have him is Joel Embiid. So trust the process there, uh, Joel. But it would be scary if they could get him to coexist. Where would you? Where do you think he's going to build then? Hard to say. I could see him wanting to stay in the Eastern Conference because it's probably an easier road. But I also believe, uh, you know, depending on how, you know, cap situations are, that sort of thing, you know, he's going to try to latch on to the team that has the best chance to win, in my opinion. So, you know, Houston, uh, Indiana, uh, something of that nature, I think, is where you see this guy try to go, uh, somewhere where he can latch on to a team and uh, try to siphon off of everything they build, stand on the shoulders of greatness, so to speak. 
So look at your teams that made it far. Maybe even Boston. Wouldn't that be funny to see him try to latch on with Boston? Yeah. Wow. 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 Uh, did you hear that one report for uh, Kyrie to the Knicks? Why? <laughs> Why? Didn't I have no idea, but I didn't know off. if you had heard it yet or not. I have not. I have not. I'll say you're breaking that one to me. That's just another typical uh, – that's a James Dolan move if I've ever seen it, though. Let's get a guy that can't play more than 50 games in a season. Let's go get him. Uh, listen, I don't even want to talk about the Knicks. The Knicks are as bad. I mean, folks, listen, you got to understand why my interest in basketball is a little skewed. All right. I'm a Knicks fan by by birth and then moved down here and an Orlando fan by distance. <laughs> yeah, it's hard times being a basketball fan for me then. And uh, for the most part, here's what's great, though. We're done. We're done, Conference. Yes. We'll, we'll oh, pick it back up in the draft. Baby Jesus. <laughs> no more. Yeah, no. Now we get to actually cover more football for everybody, and we'll be getting to that in a little bit. But first, the sport that we have been giving you, and we've been giving it to you hard, those of you that have been following from the start of the season, that know that crop report has been hitting nicely. Those of you see what's going on, where we're going with that crop report each week. We give you players to keep an eye on. And then, like I said, after, we're going to get Nick Katowski in. We're going to talk the draft players that you're going to be looking at three years down the road. And then, like I said, yeah, we're going to get back. We're going to start getting some more football talk. And next week, our format will go back and be our permanent format. That's the best part. Folks, it is uh, part of the changes that are going on over the next week. We talked about this, uh, and by uh, July, the changes should be just about complete, if not totally complete. Our new format, a whole change of strictly baseball, fantasy baseball, strictly football coverage uh, everywhere across the board. We'll talk next year when hockey and, and basketball come around. We'll talk about the the headline coverage and give you some of the basics and predictions and stuff like that, but we won't be going in-depth for fantasy purposes, and this is just for one thing. JT and I are continuing to work towards uh, making it to one of the bigger networks. As much as we love blog talk radio, it is not our final destination, and in order to do that, we feel we need to go ahead and trim it down so that we give more complete coverage and show exactly what we can do with the sport of baseball and the sport of football. Kind of, kind of Chris Rose, like uh, without the battle bots, if you will, folks now up the show that really, I, I love it. I, I want to thank you all. You all love the segment. It's the crop report. Woo-wee. Billy Bob Jester here, folks, and boy, let me tell you something. It's time for that there crop report, and I'm happier than a pig on the farm to bring them there, fellas, JT and Tate. You know, one of the annoying things about that, one of the annoying things about that is 
I can't even get rid of it now because it is a popular segment, and believe it or not, people think it's funny. Oh, my Lord, I'm stuck with it, too, now. At least, at least, it does come attached, for me, with one of my favorite portions of the show, where we go ahead and not only have JT on, but we get to bring in Tate Dello and get his opinion. Folks, this has been fantastic segment, the crop report. For all you fantasy players, fantasy baseball players out there, it has helped so many people already. And this is not just for the dynasty people out there. This is also for redraft. We throw people around every week. Let's get it started. Let's get him in here. Tate, how are you tonight, sir? I'm great, Jester. How are you this evening? Oh, man, man. It's been absolutely fantastic. I'm feeling better. Uh, I'm not going to be held back. I won't be told to who's going to be on my show. I'm ready to go as always. So I've been looking forward to this crop report probably more than any other. So hit me with it. Well, let's get right into it then. Uh, First off, thanks all you guys out there in uh, listener land for tuning in for another edition of the crop report with uh, myself and JT. And uh, let's jump right into it. I'm going to start off this week with uh, a gentleman in the San Diego Padres organization who just turned 21 years old on June 3rd. He is a listed as second base this year, but he also played shortstop. He's projecting at being a second baseman though, when he does make the move up to the majors, I'm talking about Luis Urias here is currently down at AAA El Paso with the Padres. Uh, This kid is somebody to really keep an eye on. Uh, Last year, he spent all of 2017 in AA, played 118 games, 442 at-bats, scored 77 runs on 131 hits, 20 doubles, 4 triples, 3 home runs, 38 RBIs. What I like, though, he had 68 walks and 65 strikes strikeouts uh that's big thing i like about him more walks than strikeouts uh 296 batting average last year 398 on base percentage 380 slugging and a 778 ops but uh the big thing with this kid those numbers there led him to being a double a texas league all-star last year and he played in the arizona fall league this past season as well uh big thing the previous year in 2016 this kid, Luis Urias, was the youngest player in the California League. And in that season, he was 19 years old, and he won the batting title and the MVP of the California League in 2016 as the youngest player in the league starting off the season. But uh, this year so far, this kid in, in AAA, like I said, playing with El Paso, he's uh, 55 games, 205 at-bats, 34 runs, 52 hits, 11 for doubles, no triples, six home runs, and 20 RBIs. He's, the walk-strikeout ratio is a little different this year, 32 walks, 44 strikeouts, just a little bit off there to what he's been used to. But uh, 254 batting average, a little lower than what he's used to, 368 on base, 395 slugging, and a 763 OPS. Uh, for his career, what I really like with this guy, 402 games, 1,511 at-bats, this kid – coming into the season had more walks than strikeouts for his career in the minors. And right now he's even with the games this year, 185 walks, 179 strikeouts. So huge thing for this guy. He gets on base. He draws the walks. He's a patient hitter. And 
this kid is projecting to be a leadoff hitter when he gets the call up. And Urias here is scouting grades. He's got a 70 on the hit. That's a, out of an 80 scale. He's got a 70 on the hit number. Only a 40 on the power, which, which as I mentioned, he only three home runs last year, six home runs this year. Not a big power guy. So only a 40 on the power rating, 50 on the run rating, 55 on the arm, 60 on the fielding, and a 55 overall. But that big number there, like I said, is the hit number at 70. Projecting as a leadoff hitter when he gets the call up as a second baseman most likely in the majors. But like I said, he has played shortstop as well. But Luis Urias, kid to definitely keep an eye on. I see him probably getting a shot later this year. Uh, he's probably an injury away from uh, getting a call up, but definitely at the very latest see him in the fall this year and probably break camp with the Padres next season going in. So that's Luis Urias. Keep an eye on him. Big-time prospect. And over to you, JT, who do you got for us? Yeah, let's stick with that middle of the infield. You know, when I look at some of these infielders that are in the minor leagues right now, guys that are just on the cusp of coming into the show, I look at a guy in Milwaukee, Keeson Hiraya, uh, 5'11", 190 pounds, the ninth pick in the 2017 draft out of Cal Irvine. Uh, junior, he's the top D1 hitter in 2017, 442 average, so this kid's got a bat. He's got a nice, short, impactful right-handed swing. Uh, he's got a stroke with you just nice and clean. Bat speed is disgusting with this kid. I'm a big proponent of guys with that bat speed. This is a guy that can take the ball to all fields. 65 hit tool, so we, you know, as Tate mentioned before, we talk about that 20 to 80 scale. 65 hit tool. He's got average power, but enough to, enough to suffice, probably maybe a, a 7 to 15 type of home run guy. Uh, not a lot of speed. He's not going to steal a lot of bases, but a guy that can run if need to. He's very intelligent on the base pads. It's not always about Billy Hamilton's speed. It's some of these guys that have the savvy to kind of read the pitcher, read the catcher, and get that good break. He's got those skills, but, again, in Milwaukee, you really don't see uh, a lot of base stealing. Um, average defensive player. He's listed as a second baseman right now, but I think he ends up being a left fielder when it's all said and done in the major leagues. I don't think his defensive position really matters. It's this kid's bat that we want to talk about, and for all you fantasy players, that's what you want to hear. He projects to hit for a high average. Again, at least average in-game power. Uh, the ball comes off his bat differently than most all fields. So the way he hits the ball, it just, he, he's an artist. I, I call this kid an artist, Jester and Tate. When you watch this kid play, you'll see what I mean. Uh, post-draft, the Brewers saw he you know, thought maybe he needed elbow surgery. Brewers put an MRI on this kid. Didn't feel surgery was necessary. They arrested it, and it turns out they rewarded well. We look at what he's doing so far this year. He's been to two levels. A uh, high A Carolina, he had 206 at-bats, 66 hits in that, 16 doubles, three triples, seven home runs, 23 RBIs for a 320 average and a 911 OPS. I like that OPS on this. Then you look at a kid that got bumped up to double A in Biloxi, 24 at-bats, so just got up there recently, eight hits, 333 clip, and an 866 OPS. This is a kid that, again, I think he gets moved to the outfield but I think we see him in September this year, but I definitely think he may break camp next year. If not, we'll see kind of the Ronald Lacuna thing, middle of April type of deal for him. So Keston Hyrua, a guy that the Brewers like, and I think we'll see a lot sooner rather than later. 
All right. I'm going to jump back in here. And I know we've talked a lot about Braves players and Braves prospects leading up in the previous crop reports. But I'm going to go back to that Braves organization again. Uh, This time I'm going to bring up number six prospect in the Braves organization, left-handed pitcher Colby Allard. He's a 20-year-old pitcher, big uh, six-foot-one, 190 pounds, uh, 20 years old, currently playing in AAA. Yet another one of these young stud pitchers that the Braves have in their organization, and an- another one of these guys that's just waiting for the opportunity. Uh, this kid spent all of last year at AA, 27 games. He went eight and 11 with the uh, record. 3.18 ERA in 150 innings. That's a big thing with him, 150 innings last year. So this kid has already got those big innings on his arm. He's pitched 150 innings in a season last year. He's ready to step up to the major league level and get the full workload that these uh, major league pitchers get of 200-plus innings in a season. So he's, he's right there on the cusp. But 150 innings, 146 hits, 62 runs, 53 earned, Gave up 11 homers. Here's the other number I like with him. 45 walks last year to 129 strikeouts. So 1.27 whip. So far this year, he's pitched in 10 games. He's 4-1. and one. Colby Allard has a 2.00 ERA this season in 63 innings. He's given up 51 hits, 15 runs, only 15 runs in 63 innings. 14 earned, 3 homers, and again, 16 walks. 40 strikeouts, uh, 227 batting average against him this year, and a 1.06 whip. His career in the minors, those those walk to strikeout ratio numbers are just as impressive. In 56 games, he's got a 2.82 ERA in 306.2 innings, 86 walks, 276 strikeouts with, for a 1.16 whip. Uh, like I said, this kid is the number six in the Braves organization. We've already talked about these other guys that are already up and with with the Braves organization at the major league level. His uh, scouting grades, he's got a 50 for his fastball score, 55 on his curveball, 60 for his changeup, 55 for control, and 55 for overall. His fastball, he runs in there between 88 to 93, but uh, the, the scouting report on him says it actually runs higher than that and has a lot of movement on it. So, and he mixes all three pitches in very well with uh, the outstanding fastball command this kid has and the phenomenal walk-to-strikeout ratio. He's a ticking time bomb just waiting for the moment to get that call up to be the next young stud pitcher in that Braves organization coming up to the major league level. Uh, JT's talked about it already. We've mentioned it in the previous crop reports how it's very similar to those 90s Braves with Glavin and Smoltz and Maddox. This is another kid just waiting for the opportunity to fix into that starting rotation for a long time. Colby Allard, next guy in the Braves organization to uh, get that call up. And go ahead, JT, what do you got next for us? Well, Tate, you got, you're talking about pitchers. I got one for you. And it's the best mascot, I think, in all the sports here. The Hartford Yard Goats, Peter Lambert. In the yard goats, you got to like that. He's got to be a good player to be a yard goat. But we're looking at a guy, second-round pick, 44th overall in 2015, six foot two, 185 pounds. I'd like to see him add a little bit more muscle, a little bit more weight. I think it would help with his velocity. Uh, we're looking at a guy, 
he has the potential to use four pitches that it can at least be solid. Uh, his fastball sits around 91 to 93 miles per hour, peaks out around 96. Uh, he keeps it off the barrels of the bat. He has a nice sink angle and a very good command of that. He has a changeup that tends to tumble, and it's a very consistent plus pitch for him. He locates that pitch well, and it has that late movement. He's working on a slider, mid-80s. I'd like to see a little more velocity on that. But the best part about that is he repeats his clean delivery. That clean delivery, which means all four of his pitches come from the same angle. You're not going to tip off your pitches with your arm angle like guys like you, Darvish, as you've seen recently, have had issues with doing High three-quarters release, so if you can picture that, almost like a Chris Sale, um, which is really hard to pick up the ball coming out, you know, a guy like that. But the thing I like about this kid, 4-2 this season, 2.71 ERA in 63 innings, 60 hits allowed, 10 walks, 47 K, so he's not a big strikeout guy. That's where I'd like to see that muscle, a little bit more weight, add some velocity to that. A 1.11 whip and a 256 average against. Now, you think Colorado, of course, field. We've talked about it on, on the Fantasy Jester show last week when we had the uh, baseball expert on talking about the baseballs and, and different things like that. Colorado, I think that's a place they could use the humidor personally, but looking at what this kid does, he does have a nice sink to the ball. It does tail away, so I don't think he'd be as prone to maybe, let's say, a John Gray who tends to just go right after guys. There's not a lot of movement on his pitches. This guy kind of plays with the corner, pounds the bottom of the strike zone. A lot, of, a lot of sinker balls, a lot of ground balls from this kid. I think his stuff plays in Colorado. I see him as a number three starter. I think that's right around where his uh, ceiling is. But, again, I think to reach that level, he has to add some more weight and some more velocity to those pitches. But Peter Lambert's a guy that's shown he can do it. I think we could see him possibly in September again. But I think he's more likely next year, maybe a long relief role uh, to start, and then they'll stretch him out into a starter. So a guy that maybe not one of those sexy players, but as you know in fantasy, it's not only about the guys you get in the first round, it's the guys you take later in the draft. Jester? Great stuff, guys. Well, I want to go over a couple of real quick questions on each one of these guys and, and point out a couple of things that I feel is important for everybody to pay attention to in particular, some of the stats that were given. And uh, uh, my biggest thing is when I'm going to, uh, you got to pay attention to what these guys are saying because they're nailing it on the head for you all uh, of when to look for these guys, when to target them. So, you know, let's start off with Urias uh, for San Diego you know, I I don't want to see this kid rushed either, though, Tate. You know, this is a kid that's got a career. Uh, I feel he's going to be a, a, a career 300 hitter. And now you're talking about a guy with a 70 hit tool. And you're talking about where he's playing. What they've done is they've moved him around, folks. You know, he's got 39 games at second base. Tate alluded to that. But he's also played five at third and nine at shortstop. So he, he's got that versatility that if he needs to move, they can move him around. You're talking about a young kid, 21. Now, let me ask you something, Tate. Two things I want to cover with you. How is he defensively? And then, again, reiterate when you're looking at him to come up. Defensively, uh, we mentioned the hit tool being a 70. 
I mentioned also the fielding tool is a 60, so that's pretty good up there as well, well above average. And his Beautiful. arm is a 55, so slightly below that. But uh, defensively, this kid, he could, as you mentioned, he can play all the positions on the infield pretty much from second base, shortstop, third base. So he's quality defensive player. He's going to get the opportunity. It's just a matter of when. And that leads to your other part of that question. The win is really going to be dependent on whether they do rush him or not. Like I said, he played double-A for the full season last year. He's up in Mm -hmm. triple-A this year. I think it's just them waiting for the right time and moment to give him a shot. And I do think it will be sometime this year. I, I think because they're not rushing him, and they're not in necessarily the Padres aren't necessarily in a position that they're going for a big playoff run this year or anything. I think we wait till September call-ups when rosters expand before we see this kid. But as I said earlier as well, I think he definitely breaks camp with the big league club after spring training next year. Uh, you know what? It forces me to ask you this. Is, is it possible that it's his OPS seems to fluctuate a lot, and maybe if if you're San Diego, do you feel the need to pull him up this year? No, I don't think I don't think you absolutely have to because, like I said, mm-hmm. now if they if they were in a spot where they're going to try to make a playoff run, you want to get this kid up there. Get a get him a good leadoff. Get yourself a a good guy in that leadoff spot to solid. You know this kid's going to get hits. He's going to get on base and help you score some runs. But mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're not in that playoff race, I I don't think that they, he needs to be up there right right now. And that's why the Padres are holding off, in my personal opinion. All right, all right. So then on the other second baseman that you guys gave JT. Uh, with Hayura, you know, you mentioned that he's second base, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played this year uh, so far, he played 15 games at second base in high A. He played mm-hmm. 35 at DH. That'll yes. give people an idea that they were determined to get his bat in the lineup. At wherever right. and that this kid can be a DH, and I'm projecting him. Would you say? Would you have him? Am uh, I in, in the range of possibly a 315 career hitter? Is it, do you believe he has that oh. kind of that kind of potential? Yes, Jester. And the one thing with with you saying that is, I liken him to kind of the old school Edgar Martinez type. You know, Edgar could handle himself in the field, but when you put him at DH, then let the guy just concentrate on hitting the ball. You got a guy that was a 315, 320 hitter every year, so I think you're spot on with that. Well, one of the things I like about him as compared to Urias is is one of the things that I alluded to with Tate. Uh, I'm just not crazy when I I take a look at uh, uh, Urias' uh, OPS as compared to this kid. This kid's putting up a career 960 so far in, in the two seasons that he's been playing. So I really, uh, when you're looking at a, a second baseman, D, a, a guy that can be DH, pay attention to wherever he's going to play because this is the type of bat that you're just going to want to get in the lineup. 
Now, if we're saying that, you know, possibly September call up uh, over on your eyes, what are you feeling with uh, this kid here? Do we see him at all? Uh, what was what was your uh, take on this when we saw him? I see him as a late-season call-up once the rosters expand with an opportunity to break Arizona next year. If not, maybe the Ronald Acuna type of August, you know, April 15th, April 16th type of thing. But I know they want to get him into the, into the lineup sooner rather than later. You would think. You would think. Uh, that's, a, that's just an incredible bat. It's going to be interesting to see where he settles in. Uh, didn't you mention something about possibly the outfield, uh, uh, that there's talk about that? Yeah, if you listen, if you listen to the front office and management, seem to be in agreement on this. Is they could also see him, you know, with Milwaukee uh, playing in the National League, see him in left field. That he seems to handle himself solid in left field. He's a capable fielder, uh, just not someone that's gonna, you know, he's not Dave Winfield or Jesse Barfield out there, but he's a guy that can handle his own. I think he's one of those guys though that would be better suited, as you mentioned earlier, to put a DH. Let him concentrate on the bat. Yeah. Why not? Uh, if uh, uh, let, let's see how he grows too. You're talking about a young guy here yet, right? We don't know. We, he's not done yet. Let's see what he can do. But, but again, you're talking about a solid hitter, though. The bat's going to play. It, it is played so far very nicely, and uh, there's no reason to believe. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's ridiculous. Moving right along, you guys gave some great pitches, and Tate. I'm going to go back to uh, Colby Howard there. The uh, the Atlanta's first round pick in 2015, uh, 14th overall. It, you know, you're looking at what you guys have been saying about that kind of Atlanta pitching and all that, and it is reminiscent. Like one of the things that I like about this pitcher, folks, when I take a look at him, is with the new attitude in people going for the long ball a little bit more. You like to see those guys with a low. HR per nine, and his is a .6, which is really effective. Now, the only concern so far, and again, my I always I hate seeing some of these guys rushed. My only concern so far with him is that the the Ks per nine, as he's being pushed through the ranks, continue to drop. He was a nine ten guy uh, per nine. Then he was a seven this year. He's uh, he's in AAA. And it's a 5.7. So a little concern that he's losing that uh, strikeout stuff against the better competition. Hopefully they don't rush him because they really don't need to. Now, Kate, you're looking at this and you're you're saying, is he one of those arms that they call up for September uh, as even a long relief or something? I don't think that – I do think he – possibly gets a shot in September, but I think it would be more as a spot start guy as opposed to a long relief guy or anything like that. Again, this kid had 150 innings last year, so he's ready for the long haul, ready to put on the 200-plus innings that major league starters end up, up, end up doing over the course of a season. So when they do call him up, I do, I do believe – he's definitely going to be one of those guys that gets a shot to start as opposed to coming out of the bullpen, whether it's a short relief, long relief, whatever. This kid's been a starter since day one, and when they bring him up, I don't see them because of the work work that he's already put in in the minor league level 
with the number mm-hmm. of innings pitched and all that, I don't see them working him out of the bullpen. Understood. Understood. Okay, great, great stuff. No, my uh, and folks, my own, like I said, my only concern is that now in AAA that K per nine has come down to a five point seven, not his prototypical stuff, but in that. He has also had his lowest home runs per nine at .4. So a little trade-off there as he's continuing to grow. Definitely an arm to pay attention to. JT, Peter Lambert, you go ahead and give this guy. And to me, I mean, he you, you alluded to it. He's not a big K per nine guy, but he is a no. control guy. He is a control yeah. guy. And that 1.4 base on balls per nine this year is just beautiful. I mean, it, it, keeping the base runners to a minimum is, is big anywhere, even more so when you're susceptible to a big uh, home run playing in Colorado. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned John Gray. Now, John Gray, he actually, uh, Peter Lambert, and why Peter Lambert should be a little bit more effective uh, than – John Gray, like you were saying, is besides the fact that he's going to have less walks per nine than a John Gray, he also keeps the ball in the ballpark a little bit better than a John Gray. So, again, those are two different ways that if you're trying to break out your John Gray scale and where does he fit, well, in those two particular very important categories in Coors Field in particular more so, uh, he is better than John Gray in that. So there's your there's your gauge on that. In that, JT, uh, do, are we even thinking of seeing him uh, this September, or are we just wait until next year? I could see them giving him a, a shot as a long reliever, kind of that fireman reliever Chris Davinsky type of role, uh, just to get him a, t- a taste of the majors. I think there's a good chance next year we see him in the rotation uh, this is a guy that I know the front office really likes, a guy that they feel is ready to go, and, and a guy that, as you mentioned, is that, is that control, that 1.4 per walks per nine innings. This is a guy that doesn't shoot himself in the foot, keeps people off base, and because he pounds the bottom of the strike zone with extreme accuracy, I think this is a guy that can keep the ball in course field, and I think this is a guy that has number three starter written all over him. Uh, number three. Okay, that's nice, nice. And listen, folks, I'll leave you guys all on this uh, stat with this kid, all right, just to give you an idea of where he's going professionally. As, as an 18-year-old in rookie ball, he was 3.2 walks per nine. As a 19-year-old in A, 2.4 coming down. As a 20-year-old last year in A+, 1.9. Still coming down. This year in double A, 1.4, still coming down. Mm-hmm. So he's going up in levels, and his walks per nine are going down. And so is his whip. I mean, his whip now is a 1.11, as JT alluded to earlier. Great stuff, guys. These are, these are people that, again, folks, you have to go ahead, pay attention to people that, depending on when your playoffs are, Guys that are going to be called up during your playoff time. Sneaky plays to keep an eye on. While everybody else is scrambling, you're going to have your notes from the crop reports. 
Keep an eye on these people. JT, Tate, thanks so much. Tate, great job as always. JT, thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you next week. Sounds good. Great stuff, guys. And let's play a couple of bills. Miami Sunglasses. Whether you are starting a small business, hosting a fundraiser, or have had a store for years, Miami Sunglasses is your direct source for quality wholesale sunglasses at the best prices. With over 800 styles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check out their low prices today. That's Miami Sunglasses. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhaus with the Cleveland Indians, and you are listening to the Fantasy Jester. Yeah, you're listening to the Fantasy Jester, but... Not just the fancy jester, you're also listening to JT, and we're about to bring in, you know, we've had him on before. We've had a little fun when we brought him in before because, you know, obviously I'm the jester. He is known in fantasy circles as Goose, so let me go ahead and embarrass him for one minute. Yeah, that's right. Going to bring on the goose, folks. He won the only Nick Katowski. Nick, how are you tonight? I am doing great. How are you, Jess? Feeling better. A little, little sore in some spots. Went through that wall this week. It was a, an interesting uh, experience, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I was I was watching it, and I, I put $200 down on you, so now I'm out that money. Oh, well, that's okay if you pay attention to me <laughs> in the fantasy world. <laughs> no, actually, uh, I probably don't. He's a rather large man, and uh, it's not the first time he's thrown me around. So uh, I'll save you the money next time. Don't bet on me against him. It's really not good. Anyway, <laughs> what you can bet on, though, is our MLB coverage and just bringing you folks everything that you could possibly need to and this here segment that we're going to go over is the coverage of MLB draft. We're going to start bringing you some of the names that you should start getting familiar with from the draft this week in the MLB. Some of these names will be household names three to four years from now. So you dynasty people start taking some notes. Okay. JT, you know, we're going to go in number order of the people that we're going to go through. This is no particular order between JT, myself, and Nick. We have uh, some names picked out for you. JT, kick us off with that first two. Why Why were the first two the first two on that draft board taken? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you got to look at Casey Mize. you got a guy, uh, you know, six foot tall, 195-pound right-handed pitcher out of Auburn. Look at him so far. Got knocked around in his first start since the draft. But if you look at him overall, you know, 14 games, 95 innings. He's nine and four with a 2.94 with 133 punchouts and only 95 innings. 12 Ks to every one walk is his ratio. By the way, if that doesn't say enough about this kid right there, 12 punchouts to every one free pass. That in itself, right there is why you take this kid first overall. Uh, 189 batting average against, you know, I look at his uh, 20 to 80 scale. What jumps out to me is 60 fastball, which is a plus pitch, 60 slider, plus pitch, 
70 on the splitter. That's a plus plus splitter. 60 control. That's this guy's got numbers across the board. So when I look at what this kid has, the Tigers lost an awful lot of games to get this kid, and I think as the future goes along, they're going to be okay with that when they see what this guy brings. Uh, you know, I think you see Justin Verlander 2.0 with this kid, but a better control pitcher than Verlander ever was. Jester? Apparently we lost the Jester there, so I guess I'm going to talk about this guy a little bit more. So let's talk about the fastball. 93 to 96. Hi, this is Bob Tewksbury, former Major League pitcher and author of 90% Mental, and you've been listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.